In this episode of Testimony, a musician story presented by Soundseekers, rapper-singer Big Phil shares his Christian testimony. He talks growing up in a single-parent home in a poverty-stricken area. Big Phil shares his opinion about homosexuality in the church, the perception of women as helpmates, and Drake's Laugh Now, Cry Later video. Additionally, Big Phil goes between the lines of QD, Finesse, Heaven's Gates featuring Mission and Reply from his Quarantine Dreams EP and our four-song breakdown. I am Gailica Brown, and this is Sound Seekers Presents Testimony, a Musician Story. All right, so let's get into it. Let's start with your first music memory, whether it be a song that you heard, a music video you saw, or like the first song that you ever played. Like mm-hmm. first music memory. First music memory, man. My first music memory will probably have to be Michael Jackson, I'm Bad, the okay. video. The video, yes. The first time I saw that video, that video um, yeah, I was like, this guy is the man and Whatever it is that he's doing, I want to do it. So, you know, he's he's still my favorite artist of all time, of course, even after his passing. But um, yeah, yeah. And no one's been able to fill those shoes, and no I don't think ever no one will ever fill those yeah, shoes. No one's filling those shoes. They be trying to put uh, Chris Breezy on it on that, uh, mm. but I'd be like, nah, uh, nah, because Michael Jackson was for everyone. Yes. Like you said, he was your first music memory. He's one of mine, too. Like, I just remember, like, it doesn't matter what song it was. Right. I was getting up, and I was dancing. Right. If there was a video, I was trying to imitate him. Like, you can't just sit there and just listen to Michael and just not no. react. Like, no. So he's from everyone. Chris Brown is not for every. He's not for all ages. He's not. Little children shouldn't be singing be and dancing to. to Chris, and Chris Brown, no. <laughs> They should not. Maybe, maybe young Chris Brown. Right. <laughs> but well, not, not now. Not new Chris. No. 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 So, no. yeah. Yeah, so no. it, would probably, it would probably have to be Michael Jackson watch, seeing that video over my cousin's house. I remember where I was, when it came on, all of that. So Did you get up and dance? Yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah. I, I remember the, the just the jacket, the just everything, just the fight scene, the, you know, all of that. And I was just like, at that time I was liking music before, but it was just, you know, it was just like stuff I learned in school, you know, mm-hmm. but that, that, uh, that video. Yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, this is it. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. This is it. Oh, that mm-hmm. was his last, it was his little tour that he was supposed to do. The this is it tour. When he this is it. <laughs> Man, yeah, I get teary eyed talking about Michael. You can't talk about Michael, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Michael, Michael is like, Michael like raised me for six years of my life. You know what I'm saying? You know, I, I like telling. I'm telling you, that's my guy, man. Yeah, yeah. it's a big mm-hmm. deal. I remember. I mean, when he died, just oh, how the whole world felt, and everyone like because the funeral was in L.A. 
Right. And I live in Northern California, Sacramento. My brother was a huge Michael fan, but he's also a little, little hustler. So he made some Michael Jackson t-shirts and drove to LA and sold out of all those t-shirts at the funeral. Wow. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. Hey, listen, that's how you do it. (laughs) That is how you do it. Yep. So that's awesome. Yep. And let's go to your childhood. Speaking of your childhood, um, where were you born and raised? So I'm born right here in Jacksonville, Florida. I am a Florida boy, Duval County. <laughs> I know you done heard the chant before if you haven't. Duval, that's what we do. <laughs> okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so born right here. Um, love it. You know, um, maybe be moving, you know, uh, Wife trying to make me move, but I want to move too. She ain't just trying to make me move. Is she trying to move out of Florida or just the city? Uh, yeah, we would want to move out of Florida. We want to, we want to move out of Florida, but Where are you, you know, we was thinking Atlanta. We was thinking, <laughs> That's what everyone's thinking. Yeah. <laughs> now, me personally, I'm I'm a New York City guy, but it just gets too cold. Mm, yes. If, if it didn't get if it didn't get cold, that would be the place for me to go. Um, but I'm gonna probably get more bang for my buck in Georgia. Um, and Houston is nice. It's just hot. Yes, it is. I went to you school. Know. I went to college there. You did? Right. Yeah. Where you went? Texas Southern. Boom. Yeah. Let's go. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So. Yep. So. Houston's a cool city. It is just hot. I mean, Atlanta's hot too, but it's a little bit, the humidity is different. I yeah. think there's less humidity in Atlanta than than Houston. Yeah, in Florida we hot too. We like hot, <laughs> but but Houston has a humidity that I was like, well, we got, we pretty much we have the humidity too. Like we kind of rolling neck and neck. But I remember going to Houston, and I remember at noon it was cooking outside. Like you know, it was crazy. We was down there for a, a conference. And I remember going outside and just like, yo, bro, this is hot, bro. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's like a dry hot. Yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't fun. I I played softball when I was down there. So playing softball in California and then in the South are two completely different beasts. (laughs) Completely. Completely different. So I'm not feeling that. Okay. So considering Atlanta, Houston, both good cities. I support both those. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about North Carolina, but nah, no, we we we've just experienced them over the couple of times. We, we were thinking about Charlotte in particular, but okay. Charlotte's not ready for us. Charlotte is just like to me a Jacksonville. It's mm-hmm. a it's a city that wants to be a big city, but still got little city mindset, and you know it, it's not progressive. It's. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, hell of a lot of conservatives that run the city so they're not uh, progressive in mentality okay you know what i'm saying Bear, Makes sense. Bear, yeah. Bear, you know what i mean so you know i want to be able to raise my son in a, an environment that he understands different views even mm-hmm. the view that even even if he doesn't agree with them he understands there are going to be people and they're going to be adversity that he's going to come up against. And he needs to know how to respond to it without uh, what we've learned down here. And it, I mean, it's not a country period. It's like, you know, 
you either way left or you way right, and you gotta. And if you're way this way, you gotta hate this. Like yeah, it's, it's it's a rule to hate this individual. Yeah, I, mean, like, I don't get the hating part. I don't get the hating part. <laughs> yeah. right? I, I I just don't get it. You know what I mean? I, I I really don't. I was having a conversation with my wife about that yesterday. Not necessarily we were talking about hating, but it's just that we have we live in a climate now where things are so um, uh, just one just skewed, and that my and the views have to be one way anal. And if you don't agree with me, then I hate you. I have to speak violently against you. I have to uh, disregard who you are as a human being, dehumanize, all that different type of stuff. And it's just crazy. So, Yeah. No, yeah. Because it's, there's no, you can't just coexist and have different mindsets or opinions. Right. <laughs> right. And I just, I just don't understand that. I don't understand that. There's no way you can progress with, with pe people are going to be different, you know, even if we're the same color, come from the mm -hmm. same background, same neighborhood, people still going to think different. So, you know. yep. so, yeah, it's, it's not looking that good even unless I move out to L.A. We thought about L.A. at one point in time, but L.A. is just cost of living. It's just. It's expensive. I literally uh, was just watching a video as I was waiting for you. Right. It was a, a TikTok. This guy had posted like this mass exodus from LA and basically now um, with COVID and people not being able to pay rent, right. they had till August 1st. Wait, we're, we're in August now. Right. They had till right. like a certain date, right? To pay, to not pay, but then they would have to pay everything all, all at once. So now mm. it's hit that period where everyone has to pay everything all at once and they can't afford it. So everyone's moving out, moving in U-Hauls. He's like, there's for sale signs everywhere. He's like, they're actually giving incentives, which LA never gives incentives. Like, you know, no down payment, like first month rent free. Like they're just trying to get people in wow. there. Yeah. Wow. That is crazy. I, I you know, I did. I, I thought about it one time, but I never really thought to that extent. I was like, man, there's a lot of people not working right now due to mm -hmm. the pandemic. And I wonder yeah. how that's going in major cities that are extremely expensive to live in. You know what I mean? Like, you know, L.A. is already one of those places where if you even think about moving, you might want to consider getting a roommate yeah. on, on top of not being able to, you know, work and provide. So, yeah, well, you know, we have a – we. Um, uh, we have a, a uncle out there that's in the music in the movie business, so it's always been a place to consider as well. Okay. And then I've had other uh, mu musician friends that have lived out there, but they've always said that Atlanta is the place to go to get more bang for your buck and still get the living uh, of that you want. Mm -hmm. uh, Miami, Miami has always been a spot. My my wife is from Miami, okay. So that's always been a consideration to actually go back to Miami. Um, um, but I think that'll come at a later date. You know, my father, um, my father-in-law, he's a, he's from there. Uh, my wife's father, he's a pastor down there. So, you know, I wouldn't mind, you know, later in life going down, helping my father, you know, uh, run the church, help lead or, or joining down there, yeah. you know, but they are at, they are LA. They are LA when it comes to like cost, cost of, living. of living. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So, Sounds like you're leaning more towards Lena. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. 
a, a, a piece of a town down. That's what they, the, the young folk used to say, you know what I mean? So yeah, I'm leaning towards that, so yeah. Okay. So born and raised in Jacksonville, Florida, was it, did you grow up in a two-parent household? I did not. I grew up in a one-parent household. Um, my mother was uh, um, a working, middle-class working woman. Um, raising two kids, me and my, my sister, um, who's younger. I'm the oldest of us two. And um, she did, you know, she got on her grind, did what she could, mm-hmm. you know, grew up uh, for a, a bit of a time with my grandma um, around until she passed when I was eight years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, you know, you're eight or you're nine, ten years old, you know, my mother working hard. You, be, you become what you would consider the beginning stages of those millennial latchkey kids. So I'm like a millennium, but I'm like the, the top of those, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you know, late thirties. So, and, um, and, uh, had to stay home and, you know, and while my mom working did our best to take care of us. So, you know, um, definitely, you know, tough times. Anytime you don't have both parents in the home is always, you're always going to be faced with challenges, but that doesn't mean, you use those as an excuses, you can still be the best you can be. So, yeah. And was the household Christian? Uh, coming up, yes, we were, I, I'll say this, we were We were very, my grandmother was a devout Christian. And so she brought her children up in believing in the Lord Jesus, understanding the importance of making him a Lord of your life. Uh, my mother um, always had a, um, a religious, uh, uh, you know, viewpoint and understood what Christianity was. Um, and she, be- and then she became a Christian um, when I was around about 12 years old. So I won't necessarily say we grew up, I grew up in a house per se that was just Christian. You know, we had Christian views, but um, there was times where we were not living like we were Christians. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that's standard. I think the majority of people I talk to, including myself, (laughs) grew up in similar situations. Yes. So when did it connect for you? When did Christ become real for you? I was 16. I was 15 or 16 around those times. And I just, you know, um, I was a young man that would love to do music. I had, like you said, like I told you, you know, once I uh, as early as a child, you know, I always sung, always did things. I even sung, sang in church when I was, you know, 11, 12 years old, you know, but I, I didn't consider myself now me knowing that I was a Christian. I just liked to sing, you know, and I was liking to sing because it was girls going to the church and they liked to hear me sing. So, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> so I'm know, a sing. So I'm a sing, you know what I'm saying? So, but I had this desire to be um, one of the biggest stars ever that this world has ever seen. And I went out to doing music and, you know, started a group and uh, rapping about music that was contrary to the character of God and what God would like for my life. Um, And it was around about 15, 16 years old, where I actually was about to sign a contract, a record contract. Uh, um, I won a contest for a, uh, a deal 
and um, for Slip and Slide Records. And I don't know if you ever heard of yes. Slip and Slide Records. But yes. <laughs> Trick yeah. Daddy. Trick Daddy, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. I know Slip and Slide. I grew up on Slip and Slide. Yes. I probably shouldn't have been listening to Slip and Slide. But. Right, right, right. So <laughs> so I wanted, I, I, I want to deal. They had just, you know, they were just taking off down in Miami. They were doing their thing. Um, and it was between my group and a group called 904 Click. 904 is the area code from Jacksonville. So that's why they were called that. I was called, we were called Outlaws for Life. Um, and then we bumped into a situation where they say, well, if you get an opportunity to win the deal, you might have to change that name because there's a group that's already named the Outlaws that is uh, connected with somebody by the name of Tupac. Tupac, Shakur. yes. As soon as you said <laughs> you know, outlaws, I'm like, um. You know what I mean? <laughs> so we, at that moment, changed it to OFL, and we were just going to be called OFL, which still for Outlaws for Life, so we, we would just go by OFL. And if someone would say, well, what OFL stands for, um, we would say Outlaws for Life, but it was going to legally be just OFL. You see what I'm saying? But then... At that moment, uh, we won the contest, had an opportunity to get the deal, and God began to strangely just do some things in my life that I just didn't plan for him to do. And that was to uh, come after me like a creditor, is mm -hmm. what I like to say. And uh, he began to close doors in my life so that he can open uh a door for me to actually the, the, the open the door that he opened for me to walk through. Um, and um, I ended up leaving my group. I ended up having to tell the group. I was just like, bro, I just, I don't know what it was. Uh, I started listening to church music. It, it, it all happened without like, so we had, we, we won this contest and it was like, all right, so we're going to bring um, a guy by the name of, uh, of, of Billy, Plumber, which is called by Bigger Rankers, who's just right here in Jacksonville. He's an AR for Slip Slide Records. We're going to give y'all a couple of weeks to get your business in order, get a manager, all that, yada, yada. In those couple of weeks, God began to just, wow. he was like, nope, no, no slip and slide. No slip and slide. <laughs> and it was going to be, it was going to be a slip and slide uh, Def Jam South deal. What? That yeah. would have been nuts. Yeah, so um, Def Jam South had just come into play. Uh, Scarface from Houston mm -hmm. um, had became the president, and it was gonna—it was supposed to be great. It was supposed to be this great thing that happened, but but none of those slip and slide and Def Jam South—they don't not, exist anymore. They don't, so they don't, they don't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and, and I tell people all the time, I don't know what my plan, what the plan was. Uh, what Sipper Slide plan was for me. Mm -hmm. They could have, they, I don't know if they were just going to sign me to be a writer, you know what I mean? Because there wasn't, there wasn't any details in the, in the deal. We were just like, we want to be signed. And when you're young, you don't have direction. You're not educated on the business. And all you hear is that I'm about to have a record deal. You know what I mean? We don't know if they were going to get, all I know is, is that the guy kept saying, I like how you write. So I think we're going to really do some writing stuff for you. And but when you're 15 years old, come Wait. on. 15? I was thinking maybe you're like 18 or something. Oh, I was 15 years old. 15? I mean, you had no business doing anything with slip and slide at 15. I know. 
but I was, I was, I, 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 you know, I looked <laughs> you don't a lot know, older. Man, no, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I looked, I looked a lot older than what I was. Um, I, I talked a, a big talk, but wasn't walking it. You know, I was rapping about. I know how to put words together, so yeah. I know how to. I know at the age of fifteen, I, I, my music sounded like a, um, music being made by a twenty-one year old. You know, and you know that's just you know so. So how would you describe, like, what were some methods that God used to come after you as a creditor? Like, how was he really pulling on you? So um, I began to, one, I, I lost a, a good friend. Um, that was one. And um, I just felt like, you know, where I was headed um, was going to be the streets even though my mother raised me to understand that that's not what, that's not how we live. Mm -hmm. At the time, my, my eyes had been open and um, to things and how money went on. Um, and you carry, sometimes what happens is, especially in a single parent home, you carry a unknown responsibility that your parents didn't ask you for. Mm -hmm. But because, yeah. but, but because you saw what they went through, you have the, this mentality uh, uh, starts to um, 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 sprout um, in, in you that you got to do something to get money to help take care of my family to help. And I'm 15 years old. Like no 15 year old should be even be having to worry about worry about that. But that's just one of the the the, the day to days of coming from single parent homes from uh, from what we would consider uh, poverty stricken areas. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? I grew up on the east side of Jacksonville. Where in the you know early '90s, there were more cases of of the HIV virus, uh, crack cocaine, mm -hmm. um, violence. It was the most violent part of the city. I mean, violent part of the city. It, it, I mean, it was it was. And I remember in '93 or '94, maybe '95, probably '93 or '94, we had we had. Uh, peaked as a murder capital based on the ratio of how many people we had. So it wasn't in the sense of that we were, uh, had more murders than a major city like New York or LA um, or New Orleans or Miami. It was mm -hmm. the fact that we didn't have nowhere near the amount of people they had and we were killing at the rate that they were. Mm -hmm. And it was just a man, you know, that's, and 32206, that's my zip code we was responsible for 75% of those murders. So, you know, I just begin to see stuff and I just begin to be like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. So when you, when, when the music is not working for you the way it wants, um, you don't want to work a job because you still want to hang out. You still want to be able to do what you want to do. And I'm thinking about all this at 15. Yeah. That's crazy. That's I mean, crazy. That's right? super mature of you. The mindset but yeah. it's it's also sad that you even have Had to think to. that way. Mm -hmm. and, and my mother didn't ask me for any of that. My mother mm -hmm. did the best she could. My mom was doing her thing, but I just knew that there was some more things that I wanted, and there was some more things that she could have, you know, could have got if I would step up and play my part because I had no father in the home, and um, it was just crazy. And um, I remember thinking about those things. So at fifteen. You know, I was thinking about that and God began to just, you know, my next step was like, I, I, you know, I'm about to, you know, I, I see my homeboys, you know, they, they got wads of money, 
They selling a little weed here and there. Some selling crack cocaine here and there. I mean, it wouldn't hurt for me to, you know, to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I got got fronted with a opportunity to just, you know, be somebody that look out. You know, what I'm saying at a, at a, at, a, at what we call the trap house now, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You know, I didn't, I never even told my mother this stuff. You know, what I'm saying, yeah. you know, but um, I just God was like, nah, we're not doing it. So I begin to dream. I begin to have these dreams. I begin to have these dreams of me dying. Mm-hmm. And 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 burning in hell, and then I begin to have these dreams of me, of of me uh, singing God songs, like mm-hmm. and leading choirs for whatever reason. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, okay. it's like crazy. And I would wake up just so fearful because they felt so real, and like I remember having these. I remember vividly just these dreams of angels coming down and. Just like seeing God in my dreams, seeing the Lord, and man, I was like, "Yo, I, I think I'm gonna just turn on some gospel music to kind of soothe my mind." And I was like, "I never did that," and I I couldn't sleep. Mm. So I began to ask God questions at night and just be like, "Hey, well, why is this the way it is? Why is this the way it is?" And um, He led me uh, to a church, and you know, and at that moment of time, I was still doing what I was going to do. I was hanging with my homeboys. You know, and we was chilling, and his little sisters came home with some food. And one thing about me, I like to eat, and I like girls. So you heard I say I like girls, and I like to eat. You see <laughs> what I'm saying? So, um, so they came. You know, I was with my homeboys at the time, and we blowing trees, getting high. You know, and we high, you get the munchies. So. Mm-hmm. My homeboy little sister came home and they had all these snacks and we was like, yo, where you where y'all get these snacks from? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, so it was like we went to this church up up the block, you know what I'm saying? So we like, we finna go. It was like, well, they closed now, they give out snacks at the end of the service, but they open every Saturday. We like, next Saturday we going. So you were going to church for the snacks. We, I was going to church for the snacks. <laughs> Know what I'm saying? For the snacks, man. <laughs> I was like, yo, we going up there. They, they, man, they came home with juices and cookies and chips. <laughs> I'm talking about three, four bags of them joints. So I was like, yo, I'm going down for the snacks, man. I'm serious. <laughs> okay. So I, we went, and little did I know God had another plan for me at that church. And um, when I got there, it was girls there, so I stayed. Mm-hmm. So I was like, snacks. Girls, big feel, yeah, feel. You know what I'm saying? So, we two priorities in life. Two priorities. <laughs> but God had other plans. He began to connect me with people to share the gospel. Um, and there was this group of young people that were called the Masters Task Force that were part of this church. Um, and this church used to come, and after I met them. They were young, just like me, but they were older. They was like 18, 19 years old. Mm-hmm. And just to see how radical they were for about a God, about this God. And they would share the gospel, share scriptures. And I had uh, um, who I call my mother in the Lord, my godmother, who actually came in. And after they shared the gospel, uh, she kind of just laid it on me, what it means to be this, that, and the third. And she discipled me from there on out. And I was just like, yo, I, I had to go tell my homeboys, yo, I, I, I can't do this group stuff no more, man. Like. It was like, man, we finna get this deal, bro. We finna. I was like, I can't do it. And I walked away from it. 
And you were 15. 15. That's crazy. Okay. So you get the slip and slide deal. And in the few weeks that you had to, to get your music stuff together, you found snacks, girls, and God. Yes. <laughs> the gospel. <laughs> yes. And girls and grub. I, I might write that book. Grub, girls, and the gospel. The life of Philip's transition to the Lord. The life, Philip's conversion to the Lord. Yes. Yes, that's what happened. Mm -hmm. Okay. Good story. And so how does God's presence in your life look personally, outside of the music, just personally? Um, just, you know, of course, uh, family, home. You know, um, I try to be uh, a husband to my wife as best as I possibly can, um, try to be faithful, um, try to communicate. So, you know, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, and at me, it was me at one point in time too. You know, I, I had this idea that, you know, if I did all I could for the, in church and for people that go to church, that, that gains me credit for God, but I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing at home for my mm -hmm. family. Mm -hmm. So, and I just wanted to kind of change, I just needed to change that. So, of course, definitely with my family, with my wife and kids, um, trying to be a, a, a good example to them, a biblical example. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, at my local, my local church, um, sharing my faith um, um, to friends and family. Um, but most of the bulk of it comes from my family and my, my, the part I play at my local church. So, yeah, I am a, uh, I'm a director of worship at my church. Okay. Um, I only not only rap, but I sing as well. So yes. Yeah. So yeah. Awesome. Okay. Let's move on to what's trending, and I yes. like to look at what's trending on Twitter. So um, one of the top trends are we new Drake video featuring Lil Durk. Crazy. <laughs> Laugh now, cry later. Yes. Well, what crazy. Is the video <laughs> besides crazy. Crazy. I don't I, listen. I I had I hadn't even seen it. I had saw the the meme that they had to made a Drake crime before I even saw the video. <laughs> I was just like, what what is what is this about? So I went and checked it out, and man, it is a it's a dope concept. It's a, mm -hmm. I saw uh, Black Empowerment. I saw um, um, brothers getting together and really trying to do some things. Um, it was it was dope, and the and the song mm -hmm. is it, dope. You know, Drake is always he's always executed. You know, um, he's consistent with that stuff. So, um, contrary to, um, no, I won't even say contrary. I say even though I don't agree with, you know, some of the characterizations. All um, a lot of the times, mm -hmm. he makes good. He makes good music. You know what I'm saying? So, um, he does. I love it. Yeah. Good music and videos. And what I appreciate videos. about Drake is the kind of the essence of the throwback music videos that Michael Jackson put into his videos at the time and just the yes. quality in it, it felt like a mini movie every single time. And yes. I remember when Michael Jackson would premiere his videos on Fox. Like, I yes. feel like it was always like a Sunday night, like around like, it was. these are before after night. in living color or something. Yep. Before <laughs> after music. living color, Sunday's Super Bowl mm -hmm. halftime. Like, yeah, like, Sundays all the time. He debuted Bad, mm -hmm. Billie Jean, 
black and white. Yeah. Uh, the way you make me feel, girl. Don't get me started. I told you. <laughs> remember I, I the time. I, yeah. I remember the times. <laughs> yes. I, yeah, like he did, and Drake puts a lot of uh, a vision into the visual. Yes. And I, I, that's that's one thing about him I definitely can appreciate, and. He does it metaphorically a lot of times, mm -hmm. you know, like a lot, if you're not, it, 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 you might take something very literal and if you don't take the time and then maybe six months down the line, you will see metaphorically what it meant or it, it will be trending. It will be trendy what he was doing six months prior to that. Mm -hmm. He just spoke it metaphorically. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, he like he does that. He does that with the music. He like man. He 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 just yeah. He does it. I love it. I love the concept of seeing brothers get together and you know do what he does. One thing I can always respect about him, which I say why he's winning. He was never afraid to be transparent yeah. and, and vulnerable when it yeah. came came to the opposite sex. He he to me single handedly changed. Uh, uh, pig-headed and chauvinistic music when it came mm. to the woman. You okay. know, before the, to me, before the woman, even though he still is chauvinist, it's very sexist and objectifying at times. I, I'm not going to lie. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I keep funny, he does. <laughs> but there's a, there's a vulnerability as a man that he wasn't a, that he wasn't afraid to show. That most men are told or you don't, you know what I'm saying? You don't show that. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? It's girl, whatever. Get out of my face. Oh, you don't want me? Okay, then bye. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And he's like, no, baby, I need you here. Like, I, I don't know what I'm doing without you. You know what I'm saying? And he makes fun of himself to it as well with yes. like the whole crying scene and yes. um, talking about like, I got to get my warrior spirit on. <laughs> like, yes. he makes it's just fun like, of himself. She's got to be a big warrior. <laughs> <laughs> Bro was like, where are you sure? I mean, we we right over here. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. And even like little stuff, um, like I don't even when he was like under the water punching, right? Yeah. Like I didn't realize I was homage to Muhammad Ali being underwater and yep. so he'll do little stuff like that, him wearing LeBron's like two thousand three yeah. <laughs> all white, and, and like he, oversized draft suit. Right. And he pays homage. <laughs> To people, to his favorite people, he's not a, he's yeah. not, he's not, uh, he's not, you know, afraid or he's he's not close-minded, and he's cool with sharing, giving props. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? He like he 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 was he he admonishes his idols is what yes. we is what I would say. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he and does. I don't really see a big issue with that other than them being an idol itself. But yeah, <laughs> and, you know what I mean? But he he pays he pays homage. I pay homage. Yeah. Which yes, you should and give people their flowers. Absolutely. Give them while they're alive, folks. Yes. Please, yes. Okay, cool. So new Drake. Um another thing that was trending, I haven't seen it, but it's Project Power. I guess Jamie Foxx has a new movie that came out on Netflix today. That's crazy because I just saw the cover. I was okay. looking for a new movie <laughs> and I saw it. I was like, I never heard this. So it was this girl and Jamie and so I haven't seen it. So I'm thinking I'm yeah. going to go watch it because I I just saw it when I pulled up my uh my uh fire stick. Yeah, yeah the trailer looks pretty sick. Um, has also Joseph Gordon Levitt, one of my like he's a great actor as well. But the mm -hmm. whole concept is there's this pill 
that will give you power for five minutes, wow. just absolute power, but you have no idea what the power is going to be. And there's a possibility that one hit could kill you. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> you want to take the pill? <laughs> nah, I'm straight. So, so I'm, I'm about to get a power. That's the only plus. But then that's not even a plus because the power that it gives me, I don't even know what the power is. Yes. I don't even know if it's going to be something that I need, even need to be using. Mm-hmm. or it's going to get me killed. And then on top of that, to go even hit it to get the power, I can possibly die. Yeah. Nah, I'm straight. <laughs> I'm straight. What profits a man to gain the whole world, man? And and, and lose <laughs> not only his soul, but his body at the same time. <laughs> See, they couldn't, you couldn't star in the movie then because then it would just be boring. Like it the movie would, would end in two minutes. You'd be, mm, nah, I'm straight. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it <laughs> Roll credits. <laughs> I would have to be the guy that in the first five minutes of the movie would be like, you tricked me. That ain't going to work. And I'll be the, uh, what you call it, pessimistic. Yeah, yes. I'm, not, I'm not with it, doctor. No, sir. Well, okay, if you took away the fact that it might kill you. I do it. Would you consider it? Okay. Yes. The fact that I ain't, I ain't got to worry about dying, I'll do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it looks like there's like some scenes where like they need power. Like he's, it's like survival. I think he's like trying to get his daughter or something. Right. Right. So, but what if you're in like this crazy fight scene, you, you know, you're going up against possibly death and you take this pill. You have no idea what the power is. And what if the power is like, I don't know, something completely useless when it comes to like fighting for your life. Yeah, that's and see, and that's another thing because I'm just like, <laughs> I gotta figure out a way to let this power work for me because if I don't, then I'm back in the same predicament that well, if I would have took the hit to die, you know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, hopefully, I if it's not uh, helping me physically, uh, it's a mind thing, and I can maybe uh, shut his mind down while he's about to attack me. Or, chop my, you know, yeah. uh, tear my head off or something, just begin to put little flowers. Maybe I can make him uh, more emotional and, you know, calm him down. <laughs> <laughs> Hypnotize him. Start, start crying and thinking yeah, about, like, his start, grandma or grandma something. Or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just put a whole bunch of little babies in his mind or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, something along those lines. But I think I'm gonna check that movie out. I'm gonna go see. Yeah, it it sounds interesting. Definitely want to check that out. All right. Well, let's move forward and go to to music. And how did you even start with the music? We know you liked Michael Jackson, but how did you actually start writing and get into singing and rapping yourself? Man, um, so I had a I had a homie, um, the same homie who little sisters came. We were, um, we were, you know how you go to school and you just make jokes of each other, you beating on the desk and you cracking jokes. Um, we were good at doing that. We were good at ranking. You know, when you come from the hood, you gotta know how to rank because, you know, what I'm saying somebody gonna get on you and you gotta know how to get back. You know yeah. what I mean? So because because you know you ain't you might you you might not have the best pair of shoes on. And you got to know how to rank to keep people off of you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, you, your, your fit might not be because 
you know, whatever the situation may be. So um, we just used to just clown a lot. And it went from clowning to us uh, grabbing, people gravitating to us doing it. And before you know it, he signed us up for a talent show to do a song. He came to my house and he was like, Bobo, that's what he used to call me. My my nickname was Bobo. Uh, And they used to be like, he used to be like, Bobo, we gotta do, we gotta do this talent show, man. We can win this money and everything. I was like, bro, I'm not rapping nothing, bro. You for, you can forget it, bro. That's nah. I play sports, doctor. That's that ain't, that ain't, that ain't what I do. And he was like, I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. You see how they was. You see how they was about us. You see the girl. You see how the girl was about on. We was on the back of the bus. Cause we used to ride the bus home, and we used to do the same thing. We used to just used to beat on them and just rap silly stuff. Just say stupid things out of mouth. And he wrote this rap and. We did it, and I was like, all right, because he's my dog. We did the talent show, won the talent show. That's crazy. And we was in middle school at the time. We was like 13 years old um, at that time and and won that joint. And 12 or 13, yeah, won that joint. And the whole school was on us. Like, it was like, wow, these dudes. And from from then on, I just stopped doing music. We did the talent show again the following year. Um, one then, you know, uh, and we just started doing music. We started being recognized by the city. And because, you know, the area we lived in, um, we got, uh, we signed up for another talent show that was done by the Girls and Boys Club of Jacksonville. And we won that joint. And then they wanted to, they set us in front of uh, city leaders and executives in Northeast Florida, where I was, you know, uh, I was, I had to sing a Just Say No uh, uh, to Drugs campaign and rap. And, uh, yeah, from then on, we were just like, yo, let's do this. So, yeah, and that's how I started, that's how I started doing music. So it went from you just messing around, ranking on the bus, to actually winning Yep. Cause, yep, because it was the attention. Now, at that moment, I still wasn't set on, this is something I can make a career. It was just like, I, I'm a, I think I'm going to do this. I like doing this. I already liked music anyway. I was a music head. I just wasn't doing music. You know what I'm saying? But I love detention. I love to dance. I love to to sing and rap. I, I like detention. So if you give me attention, I'm going to keep you entertained. You know what I'm saying? That's why. That's how I was. And um, um, I just started doing it. And um, before you know it, it was something that I was like, yo, I think I'm going to try to do this. You know what I mean? So so when did you discover that you can sing, too? Oh, I've been, I knew I've been singing forever. I had just okay. stopped. I stopped singing because of my uh, perception of what a singer was. You know what I mean? I grew up, um, like I said, grew up going to church and seeing people in church and um you know i you know i didn't like the view of a person that sings especially if he was a man you know most of the ones i saw they were very feminine and yeah you know they're just that type of thing so i was like i didn't i didn't you know i saw it you know when i was in like i said 
elementary school, fifth or sixth grade. It was when I got to the sixth grade is when I stopped. Cause you know, I was just like, boom, I was just not, so I knew I've been saying all my life. And then I just went back to it when um, I became a Christian, when I got saved. So prior to you giving your life to Christ, you associated mm-hmm. singing, men singing in the church with femininity. Yes. I, I, I can't rock with you. Yeah. You know I mean? yeah. And did that change after giving your, I mean, obviously you sing it now, but still, it, it's yeah. still the same people singing in the church. Yeah, so they the are. What's the difference now? <laughs> yeah, the difference is because I saw another group of people actually doing it. My, I was able to go and see something else other than what I saw in the little Baptist church that, I, you know, my mother used to t- take me to. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, um, one of the one of my favorite people uh, when I was going to the church, um, he was the musician. And he could sing, but I knew he was feminine, and I knew. You know what I'm saying? You know, he was attracted to the same same sex. And, you know, where I grew up, I, I always grew up, my uncles and, you know, cousins tell me, no, that, that, ain't, that ain't how we get down. So I just equated that with that. You know what I'm saying? Um, and uh, I was just telling my wife about, about him the other day. Um, so I, I was like, I can't. And then me being a part of a group called 100 Black Men when in the fifth and sixth grade, the choir consisted of guys that came off, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, just you're just immature and young and you don't know how to separate those things and then you 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 just make it everything. So when I became saved, I saw other people doing it. I saw people people became role models in my life, mentors that I had by the name of Freddie McIntyre, Carlos Hayes, these guys that nobody knows about, but they are impactful in my life. It helped change the mindset of that. And they told me, man, that's going to be around forever because it's a part of the nature of man. You know, it's a sinful nature of man. It's, uh, that don't necessarily mean that they don't love Jesus either. That just means that they just have this thing about them that they struggle with. And you have this thing about you that you struggle with. And, um, you know, they kind of opened my eyes to that. So, But it's, uh, it's also like, obviously they can't hide who they are. But it's not talked about. So it's like no one talks about who they really are. They can't hide it, but at the same time, they can't fully be who they are. They can't fully be who they are because if if you do, there's a chance that you'll be excommunicated, uh, ostracized, you know, all of those, oust, you know what I'm saying? Um, So many different things. Um, And I think we are resulting in our uh, ignorance and the choice to not deal with it. What you see now going on in church is a, is a, is a direct result of us not taking young men in and saying, listen, I'm going, I can walk with you through this. I can, you, 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 you're still somebody that God loves and respects and wants what's best for you, regardless of what's going on in your outer appearance. I want to help change your soul. I want to help change what God says about you according to scripture. And um, um, I think I think we were more concerned about us being uncomfortable as opposed to helping. So now you got people that 
are unashamed about their lifestyle um, and in a sense of not even a femininity because, you know, listen, femininity is not in my, in my age now is not even my problem. Um, my problem is people practicing sinful nature and validating it through God. And that's, that's any type of thing. That's, that can be, you know, heterosexual uh, sex outside of marriage, fornication, that could be adultery, that could be all these different things. But I know we see now a validation that's being stamped, um, not only just in what I would consider black church, but church period, where it's cool to be uh, someone that's um, homosexual um, and you know, God is all right with it. You know, God is all right with you. He's not necessarily all right with what you do. And because we didn't reflect God's scripture in that, is what we have. So, yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. So you currently worship or lead worship at your church. And um, you still do, you do your own music. But also, um, I interviewed Brinson not that long ago, and he was saying, like, you played a major part in his last album, I think, like, a few of his projects. Do you have, like, those type of um, relationships with other artists? Like, are you really, like, like the kind of behind-the-scenes guys that people don't know We your hands were on a lot of music we listen to? <laughs> um, yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Not a whole lot, but a little bit. Yeah, Brinson is my guy. That's my brother. You know, and he, uh, you know, he he believes in me. Um, I was the first artist Brinson ever tried to sign. Um, a lot of people did they not know, know that. Him. Yes. Fun fact, okay. Yep. Um, I was one of the first ones that he ever tried to sign. I don't necessarily say I might not. Be. I won't necessarily say I was the first, but I know I was one of them. <coughs> Excuse me. And, um... Yeah, so ever since then, I was just like, yeah, I'm going to do my own thing. And um, it was like, cool, but he became my, he became my guy. We, was all, we always respected each other musically. And we was always, it was always a mutual respect. respect. And then there was a, a brotherhood in the music um, that turned into a brotherhood, period. So that's my brother even if we never do music together. You know, that's that's my guy. And because he trusts me, he, you know, he knows what I can do. He knows I'm capable of being a songwriter, producing music, my own artist. I'm a creative at heart. And I think I'm more of a purist in that than anything, um, which is why my, my wife probably say I'm as aggravating as I am, a little adjective as I am, because I just flow in this creative space in my mind. And sometimes I say things that I shouldn't say. And then sometimes I am not as forthcoming because it lives in my mind. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, but I appreciate the gift God has given me. It's a gift that I have. Um, and um, yeah, and he trusts me. So he wanted me to be a part of the whole outcome of this 10th album. He was like, yo, this is my 10th joint. You know what I'm saying? This is important. You know what I mean? You know, throw the crown. 
you know, so he, he showed me the artwork. He, he showed me the concept of what he wanted to do. And he talked about, man, 10 albums. What, what, what am I, what am, what am I doing? You know what I'm saying? And I was like, bro, just celebrate the fact that you got 10 albums. Do you know how hard that is to do? Do you know that there's, there's so many people that will not make 10 albums? Do you know how much money it costs to make albums? And you made 10 of your own. That's not including your other artists. I was like, man, take this moment to not only brag on what God has done through you, but to celebrate what God has done through you. And let dudes know, hey, I'm still on giving Jesus glory. You know what I'm saying? I'm still on uh, making sure that you know that he's king of kings and lord of lords. There's a lot of dudes that's not, that started off, but they not. So that whole throw the crown concept mm -hmm. came from there. Okay. And let's talk about your project, Quarantine Dreams. Yes. And the decision to put that out. <clears throat> so Quarantine Dreams just came from me uh, sitting in the house. We was, uh, we was in pandemic mode, you know what I'm saying? Pandemic mode, excuse me. And... Uh, I began to uh, have my eyes open to things that I took for granted. Um, and so uh, I just wanted to express it through music. That's the way I communicate. The best way I communicate is through music. Um, my wife has done a great job of getting me to talk more. Thank you, Jesus, because I wasn't a talker. <laughs> I just, I just uh, internalized and I spoke through music. but. You know, she ain't no no jukebox. She needs to be talked to. So I, I, I try. I've done. I've got better at that. But I, that that EP itself came from me just um, just watching what was going on during that time, and I just began to write these songs. I was like, well, people are sitting around, and people are probably going through some stuff. They don't know what they're going to do. They don't know how they're going to go about taking care of their families. They don't know, you know, where the next meal may be going through, coming from. Um, they're fighting because they're stuck in the house with each other. It's more room and space and opportunity to get to bicker, to moan and complain. And we was having so many, uh, so, so much being fed to us media-wise of fear and turmoil and what if and where's our future and i just wanted to kind of you know approach it differently and change the outcome i'm always about giving people hope so i was just like yo let's turn these negatives into a positive and in the midst of me doing that god began to show me the things that i was taking for granted and it's like listen you got a great wife over here and sisters that uh my, my, i saw my wife have to go from being um someone that was you know uh, ain't never taught nobody day in their life to becoming a teacher, you know, sitting home with my, with our five-year-old, six-year-old and having to sit home with him and, and why I go to work and, you know, um, become a teacher. And I saw sisters of mine that work in the medical field, um, how they had to put their lives on the line with a, with a viral disease that we didn't know what was the outcome. And we just knew it was people were dying they suited up every day. So that's where songs like Bad Bad came from. Um, so many others. And 
Uh, um, you know, I wrote this. This project was strictly written from other people's points of view, and it may sound like it was mine, but it was other people's point of view. It's consisted of people around me. So. Okay. And the decision to make Bad Bad a video and do the merch and. I'm assuming it's the single. Like, why choose Bad Bad? Because I just wanted to pay respect to 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 ladies in general. I think you all are some incredible people. And um, I next think, to your snacks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Next to the snacks. Yes. You know what I mean. Um, I think. I think. Um, um, you know, women in general are just incredible. Um, gifts to the earth, not just to men. And um, I had to learn that. You know, I got a pit bull of, of a wife. She don't play the radio with that type of stuff. You know what I'm saying? So she's always challenged me, even in my dogmatic and uh, pig-headed behavior. You know what I'm saying? So I've always had, there's always been something I've had to deal with at least for the last 10 years of my life because she's been in it. You know what I'm saying? Um, and now I'm starting to come to grips with understanding that uh, it ain't so bad after all to uh, um, let them take the lead um, and shut your mouth, Phil, and learn. You know what I'm saying? That's let's let's put that phrase in gold. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not so bad to let them lead. Yes. Shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah. It's not. It's not so bad. It really is not so bad. Matter of fact. They are what the Bible, what God says. See, you know, it was crazy. And I told, I told one of my, I told one of my homegirls. I think I told one of my homegirls or my homeboys. I was having this talk with somebody. I, God characterizes you all as, uh, from a Bible standpoint, a a helpmate, right? Uh, and I think men have. We just that we just misconstrued that so many ways because when you when we hear help me we hear help me be great. Mm, okay, okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Help me. Yeah. Be great, <laughs> and therefore, what happens is with the word help when we don't understand what that actually means, and even when you don't understand what it means from a Greek standpoint. And what God intended for it to mean, um, and what what was the importance of pulling her from the rib, like me, she being one with me. When I don't need your help, I don't need you. And that's what that's what a lot of society and the culture, American culture, I would say, or culture, period, see it all over the world. Say, okay, well, women, you can help me do this. You can help me um, in the bed. You can help uh, feed me food. You can help raise children. I don't need you to help me do anything else outside of that. Mm -hmm. And that's just such bad theology. You know what I'm saying? When you think about where you come from, when you think about God, God laying us down and putting us to sleep and pulling a rib from out of us and you becoming, I cannot... Number one, I can't live without that that thing. You see what I'm saying? So it ain't even a sense of help. Yeah. Just help helping me be great. 
It's I need help. <laughs> See, that's it's it's the it's the glass half empty, half full. It ain't that you helping me. It's the mindset that oh my god, I need help. I can't do this without this person. So yeah. sometimes that means when you need help, you have to learn. And when you learn, to shut up and let somebody teach you. Right on. So, <laughs> so you know. I love that. That's where that came from. Yeah, bad, bad. So many other things. Yeah, e, this EP was, it was special. It, it was quick. I didn't want to take a whole lot of time with it, but I like it. It came out good. So. Well, let's do the four song breakdown. Mm, section where the artist raps or recites a verse and discusses what's going on between the lines of the song story. So for you, I chose Cutie, Finesse, Heaven's Gates, and Replay. And if we can start with Cutie. Okay, so QD. So QD was actually the last song that I wrote from the EP. And it just summed up, you know, what I had talked about um, a little bit on the EP and how I'm still out here doing my thing, still out here grinding. Um, and I could have so much more material-wise if I just chose to do these things. And I just wanted to really brag on not only how good God has been, but let y'all know what time it is, man, from a standpoint of, you know what I'm saying? You better tighten up and realize that I'm that guy. You know what I'm saying? Not in the sense of I'm better than you, but I know what God has done in me. And I want to make that proclamation amongst the earth. And, you know, that's why, you know, I put in the song, I said, um, um, they say if I put down Jesus um, and start making him twerk, um, I could be rich. Um, if I start making him twerk, you know what I'm saying? But I got too many nieces, you know what I'm saying? Um, if I would just put down Jesus and stop making them twerk, but I got too many nieces. So I got an Uncle Baby. You know what I'm saying? I got a niece that I call Uncle Baby, and I got a JV, and I got a Leary, and I got a Jordan. And they love Big Phil. They love Uncle Phil. I can't afford to to look those 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 babies in their eyes and know that I'm putting out music that that makes them second-class citizens. You see what I'm saying? I can't live, mm -hmm. me purposely, I can't live with that. Yeah. So, so. Well, I know you said it was the last song you made, but it's the first song of the um, album. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was just like the perfect way to start the project. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially, yeah. I mean, it was the first project that I've heard of yours. So it was like, okay. Like you, wow. you grabbed me and like, okay, okay. <laughs> I'll keep <Wow>. listening. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's dope. That's dope. I'm glad you got introduced to, you know, <laughs> quarantine dreams. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was, it was, it was a powerful and the beat, man, when I heard the beat, when I, when, when my guy sent me the beat, I was just like, Oh, yeah. I got to flex on this. Yeah. It goes hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> and then finesse. Finesse. So finesse was another one with just, you know, one of those songs I wanted to have fun on. That one was more catered to when I heard the beat. 
I was just like, hey, hey. So I was just bouncing and doing some things. And it was one of those songs that I was sitting here two, three o'clock in the morning, and my wife is sitting on the sofa behind me. And I was writing it, I was doing it. And she was like, well, maybe you should do it like this. Maybe you should say this instead of saying that. And that whole, I don't need your help thinking, nah, nah, <laughs> nah, nah, son. She was just like, I'm telling you, people going to think you talking about, because I said, um, uh, I just finessed, I just finessed. Uh, the devil, he, uh, the devil, he got me stressed, um, th- uh, dealing with, you know, I said something else. I can't remember actually how I said it and it was a great line, but it wasn't the best line. And she was like, won't you say this? So people can understand that just because they're going through, that don't mean they can come out. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, okay, I see you for the win, baby. You know what mm-hmm, I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But my wife is a music head too. She's a hip hop head. She, she has a consumer's ear. She know what people will, you know. Yeah. She, she like she could A and R album on her own, you know what I'm saying? She could t- sometimes be a little too biased, <laughs> personally. You know what I'm saying? You know she don't do this mumble rap, so okay. the whole cadence of that, that 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 ain't her favorite stuff. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying she still has a music ear. So I, I feel your wife on that. <laughs> I don't listen to it, but I, we agree there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and Heaven's Gates. So Heaven's Gates was a song I actually already had, but it kind of just fit perfectly with what was going on around me. Um, and that consisted of me just having conversations with people because we were going through a pandemic. And we was like, bro, what the heck is going on? Like, where are we going to end? What, where, what is this going on? And we began to have a conversation. I began to just have conversations with people about how important it is to make sure this inner man is at peace with God through Jesus Christ and how it's important because they talk about a virus that's viral. They don't know if it's in the air. People dying from it. You could be the next to get it. Fear is everywhere. So once you get it, it's like, oh, my life is over. You know, and who knows? It's been a tough year. I've lost a lot of people due to this, to this, uh, this disease, COVID, yeah. to COVID. And um, I was just like, hey, man, I'm just trying to make it into heaven gates. Focus on my grind, not my mistakes. You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to show them there's a better way. Like, I'm just trying to make it into heaven gates. And I was like, I just made this record. Like, and this record ain't even really got that much love like I felt like it should. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I did it with my homeboy, Mission. You know what I'm saying? You know, he's, he's out there. Cali, yeah, you know I know. What I'm I know Mission. And yeah. I was curious as to why the you don't say that he's featured he doesn't get the credit on the on the album you know what what's crazy <laughs> is is that on the on the artwork i put his name okay but what happened is i had already kind of you know got the single ready and it was not he wasn't on it okay. the first the first draft but then I was just like, I hit him up. I was like, yo, I need you to do this record. He was like, all right, cool. Just send it to me. So um, I sent it. And then he did it. And then it was just like, boom, let's go. And then I and I never changed the, the credits of him being on it. So when I tried to change it on the album, 
because I had already legally had it as a single, they didn't, they didn't let me do it. So, you know, it was one of those things. So that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you like talking to you, <laughs> there's, you have, um, you guys have similar energy. You and Mission. Oh, yeah, Mission. Yeah, that's my yes, guy. He's, yeah, he, for yeah, sure. he, yeah <laughs> so, that's my guy. He's my I can guy. See he's, you he's, guys vibing he, and, and being yes. good friends. Yeah. We, yeah. We met, we met in New York and, you know, he's just, he's, uh, when we did the uh, Kingdom Choice Awards one time, he's just, he's been cool. He's been, I love his, his lyricism. I love his flow. I love his approach to music. He bought his just as swagged out as I am, you know what I'm saying? So that's why, you know, that's why I like him. You know, he, yeah, he does. We got similar, um, similar vibes. So, yeah. Yeah. And he's killing it, man. That's my guy. He's, he's, he's one of the most underrated, even though he's not, like he still is. Like people don't understand. You know what I mean? Shout out to Mission. Yeah. I agree. Let's do replay. Re so reply is the name of this. Reply. I know. You good? You good? So reply is very special to me. That's the single I'm gonna actually put up. Uh, we're gonna put out um, pretty soon as well. It's very special to me because. It was, it was, like I said, it was one of those songs that was not inspired by me. It was inspired by someone else. And it was a song I had wrote directly from uh, uh, my wife's story. You know, my wife had uh, went through a tough time, a tough season in her life. And I couldn't, where God, it felt like God was holding me at bay so he can do his work, not me you know, come in and try to be Mr. Big, or, oh, you know what I mean? It was like, nah, she don't need you to do this. She needs me to do this work. And she went through a tough season, tough season in her life. And um, just with relationships with people and um, different things like that. And um, it was hard. And for me to watch her go through what she went through, and I couldn't do nothing about it, or she would, she, every time I would want to do something about it, she would just be like, that's not what I asked you to do. I just asked you to listen to me. You know what I'm saying? I don't want you to do anything else. No, don't go do that because I don't want, because as long as this is going on, this is going on, this is going on. Because I did, you know, you know, I, it's not going to happen to me. You know, I was like, nah. But she was like, just let me, let me, I see what God is doing in my life. I was like, you see what God doing in your life? You over here crying almost every other day. You know, I want to do something about that. It's not your job to do anything about it. God is working on me. He's doing something in me. And he was. And he began to show her stuff and show her stuff about herself. And she began to minister to me and to herself. And it was crazy. And I just pinned it. I said, okay, well, since I'm not going, I can't do anything about it, I'll rap about it and that's what I did I mean it's just there is super just spiritual <laughs> maturity in the fact of knowing that you're yeah. going through something and God is working on you and just being like just let it happen like I don't I just need you to listen to me and that's what it, like that's just crazy that's that's just crazy yeah and that's where the whole course came <laughs> from reply because it's like waiting for him to say something. We want to fix something all the time. I wanted to fix it. But that's why I say heartache, deny, see me break, see me cry, frustrated, cause they lie. 
Why should they pass me by? But one thing I realize when I pray, it will be all right if I just wait for your reply. You know what I'm saying? So it was just like, mm. man, it, it, it struck a chord in me. It, it's a song that makes me cry to this day, but yeah, so. Yeah. Mm. That's deep. Yeah. <laughs> to your wife. Your wife sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> she is amazing. She keeps the boy in line because if it wasn't for her, it would be Grub, Girls, <laughs> and the Gospel. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Yes. The three G's. The three G's. Mm. Yes. Right. So, how does God's presence look like in your life musically? Oh, man, that's, man, 24 7 inspired writing in my mind worship rap uh, it's just crazy the stuff that god has been doing in me in this pandemic like you know i talked about everybody else on the project but you know it's been some pressure being bust when it came to me and my next project that i'm dropping this fall probably around October, would be more about the story of me coming out of things and um, what he's done for me and in this season. Um, it won't be Quarantine Dreams Part 2, per se. It'll be called something else, but yeah. So, um, but yeah, he has been liberating me to not care musically, just to, to let go and to do what I do. And if people like it, great. If they like, if they don't, who cares? I hold man's heart in my hand, God, and I take you where you need to go. So that's what he's been doing musically in me. It's been an amazing journey, though we've come encountered with so much pressure and so much uh, of fear and just the unknown. Um, I lead worship at my church and we have nobody sitting in red in these chairs. I call it the I call it red chair church of God. You know what I'm saying? And even though we're not church of God, but yeah, that's why I'd be like, hey, we're going back to the red chairs because nobody's sitting in these chairs and it's a different type of worship that you got to engage with and, and relationship with God when ain't nobody there to cheer you on or to say hallelujah or to say how anointed you are. Mm -hmm. There's no one there. It's just you and God. And it's been a ride. And um, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have it any other way. I don't know what's going to be the outcome of this. I'm still a little afraid, which a lot of people don't like to say, but I'm just keeping it 100. And, but I'm going to be led in God and trusting what he wants to do. Right on, right on. And my final question for you, now that you've completed the interview, hmm. who would you like to see me interview on the show? Man, I don't know. I, 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 you do a great job at it too. Like you know what to ask and the questions and I love the vibe that you, you have. You're not so closed minded with religiosity and and you know you're you're not afraid to ask about these things the trinity things and 
And yeah, I, I didn't know what you was going to say when I talked about, hey, it's okay to have people that are not attracted to the same sex, but you still value them and love them and um, they can know God and, um, and all of those things. And you, it's cool. So I, I would love to see you get some people that do not have, and I don't know what your views is. You, you didn't say, but you just seem to be open with it. But I would love to see you have conversation with people uh, that are more tight in those areas. Okay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> to see how you would counter, you know what I'm saying? That's not going to say the same thing as me. That's going to be like, yeah, you know, it says be separated from all sin and get away from all those things. Yeah. Right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I would probably say, I don't know. I won't name those people. Yeah. <laughs> I was curious. <laughs> I'm like, are you about to name those people? <laughs> I won't name those Call people. Call them out? <laughs> yeah, I won't name those people. I won't name those people at all. <laughs> Now I'm afraid to say anybody's name because somebody gonna say, "Well, you just saying my name and then you saying that these people are not those people." I would love to see you, you know, those those type of people. But you know, I got a guy, another guy who's a brother of mine in the industry who I met through the industry that has an amazing story. If you haven't interviewed him already, but to see him step away from music and embrace the the uh, uh, the industry of fashion, my homeboy D Mob. Uh, oh no, I haven't interviewed Dmob. I remember him from back in the day, and then he yes. disappeared. Didn't hear anything. I know he has a song with somebody else that just came out not that long ago. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who, but he's he has an amazing story how he just put it down, and um, I think he has a song with K Drama because you know that's his boy. I think it was Drama, okay. but it might have been yeah. Um, but um, he just has an amazing story, and he does an excellent job with uh, uh, I Keep Good Company clothing. And um, I know how much he loves music. We've talked about it. I know how much he, he loves it. But um, he followed he followed God, you know what I'm saying? And he's, he's being blessed. Um, and uh, I would love to see, I would love to, you know, have people hear that story. I've heard the story, you know what I'm saying, because I just know him. But I would love the people to hear that story because that, that's inspiring. And a lot of times people don't want to walk away with what they, what they know and what they're familiar with. Sometimes God wants you to do that. It's what he's doing, you know, with me in this season, you know, I'm walking away from what I'm familiar with. I'm embracing other type of music and, and I'm working with guys that are pushing me and, you know, it's not an easy thing. It's really not. And I've known to do things by myself and um, God is just doing something different. So yeah, he will be dope. I hope you enjoyed the episode please subscribe to our show. And if you really enjoy the content, please leave a review. It really does help with the ranking. For all things testimony, visit testimonystories.com. Until next time, I'm Gilika Brown, the music lover constantly seeking positive music.